Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQD in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. We make them, we break them, we completely forget about them. They are our New Year's resolutions. For some of us, they're an inspiration to live a better, more intentional life. For others, they're a list of broken promises. So let's talk about some New Year's resolutions and the whole resolution industrial complex. I'll share some of mine with you, you share some of yours with us, and we'll get ourselves ready for this year, 2023. If you're keeping track at home, we'll be entering year four of the pandemic era. In any case, why do we annually go through this exercise and how can we stick to our resolutions? That's all coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. I know I can be what I want to be if I work hard at it. I'll be where I want to be. I know I can be what I want to be if I work hard at it. I'll be where I want to be. Okay. I'm going to out myself right at the top. I like New Year's resolutions. I didn't always. Honestly, I didn't even think about them for the first couple decades of my life. But as I got older and had kids, the daily churn of life kind of overwhelmed me. I love all that day-to-day stuff, but there was just no way that I was actually going to consider what I wanted my life to be in a few interstitial moments of the afternoon or in those exhausted minutes after the kids finally go to bed. So, New Year's, especially that week between Christmas and the New Year, became my time to actually take stock and say, so, how are things? And it feels great to ask myself the big questions and try to chart out a path towards answering them. Before we get going with our panel, I have one New Year's resolution about the show, something you're going to hear a lot more about soon, and it is to devote major time to building and strengthening our forum community. More specifically, we want to find ways to do what we do together here every morning on the air but digitally. So stay tuned. We're beyond the planning phase. We'll be announcing ways to take part any day now. All right, here we go. Joining us to talk resolutions, we've got a very fun panel. Katie Milkman is a professor at Wharton. That's at the University of Pennsylvania, of course. She's a behavioral scientist and author of How to Change the Science of Getting from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. Welcome, Katie. Thanks for having me. We are also joined by Mariel Segarra. She's a reporter and host of NPR's Life Kit. Welcome, Mariel. Hey, how are you? 
Doing well, doing well. Thanks for joining us. And we have Elizabeth Lopato, senior writer at The Verge, who uh, wrote the recent article, Some New Year's Resolutions That Won't End Up in Your Pile of Shame. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah. What a, what a pile it is, the pile of shame. Um, so <laughs> let's go around the horn. Elizabeth, let's start with you. Um, how do you feel about New Year's resolutions? And if you like them, we got to hear one of yours. And if you don't, you have to share your worst failure of 2022. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> sure. Uh, no, I actually really, I have complicated feelings about New Year's resolutions. Um, so I like New Year's resolutions as a way of like taking stock of your life and thinking about, you know, having an excuse essentially to think about things that you might want to change or improve. But I don't love the idea that I think comes to us primarily through marketing, that it's a new year and a new you. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe this sounds arrogant, but I, I kind of like who I am right now. <laughs> um, so I Which like, is I a like good new- thing. That's a good right. thing, not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I um, you know, I don't I don't want to totally overhaul myself. I, I want to I want to make some small changes around the edges, you know, make some some improvements. And so uh, my New Year's resolution is this is a little wordy. Um but there's a kind of complicated cable knit sweater I want to learn how to make. And so my resolution is that as I'm picking knitting projects this year, because that's my hobby, knitting, um, that I start to acquire skills that would bring me closer to making this complicated fisherman sweater that I'm really interested in making. Oh, I love that. We're all about wording this here on Forum, so that's fine. <laughs> Liz, I love that one. Learn how to make the cable knit sweater, which requires all of the skills that go into making that sweater. Um, Katie Milkman, how about you? I mean, you are basically uh, a professional at how to change yourself. Do you yourself also make New Year's resolutions? Or are you just like, no, I teach. I don't do. <laughs> no, I make them, and I'm crazy about them. I've studied them, uh, why they exist, where they come from, what other moments in our life besides New Year's give us the same sense of a fresh start. Uh, I do make New Year's resolutions, but I make them bite-sized and easy to achieve. So my New Year's resolution is on the two days a week that I work from home, seven-minute workout happens right after I drop my son at the bus stop. That is something I'm going to get done. Oh, I love that. That's a good, and that seems, seven minutes seems doable, right? Is that why you chose that sort of small chunk and you put it in that particular slot? Because if it's, if you're doing it on a consistent time and basis, that's easier to keep? You got it. I, you know, I need a cue that triggers action. It needs to be bite-sized. It needs to be super concrete, what I'm going to do, not a vague intention or goal that will happen down the line. So I, I like to follow the science and... Um, I like to tack it on to these fresh start dates that give me the extra motivation to yeah. to change. See, I like vague intentions. That's <laughs> that's one of my specialties. Um, Mariel, how about you? Are how do you feel about New Year's resolutions? And do you are you doing some this year? Yeah, I was just about to say, like, I think I'm in the vague intentions camp. <laughs> um, I just I do feel like I I have distinguished for myself between goals and intentions. And I started doing this a couple of years ago. It was just like, I would set these really, really rigid, specific goals, but then they became kind of a prison. You know, it, it's mm. like, if you say, uh, I want to run a 5K in April, then what happens if you get injured in March? You know, or what happens if you just like, life gets in the way and you're not able to do it? So 
and now I do things like set intentions to be more present in my physical body or to move my physical body more this year. And there are so many ways to accomplish that. So it doesn't feel like I failed. Like I can just, today I'm going for a walk. Maybe if I get injured, which I hope doesn't happen, then I learn how to swim better, you know, mm-hmm. um, something like that. I, I just think that setting intentions for me has taken some of the pressure off because there are so many ways to live and breathe those. Yeah. You know, Katie, th- there is a way of resolving this, of course, and that's to have more flexible goals. And you have done some research on this, right, about how goal rigidity can actually make thing make these kinds of resolutions or goals actually harder to attain. Yeah, that's right. So first of all, um, I have to say, I'm sorry to tell you this, Marielle, but uh, when you just have an intention and don't have a specific goal, the li- the likelihood of failure is lower, but so is the likelihood of success. Um, you know, if so it is important if you want to achieve your goals, if it's something that's important to you to lay out those detailed plans, um, you can have a higher order goal, like get in shape, and then make a set of plans for how exactly you're going to achieve it. And then, of course, if something gets in the way, you can reflect on how to revise your plans, right? They don't have to be rigid. And that's, I think, what you're getting at. We've done some work on habits, and we ran an experiment with uh, about 2,500 Google employees who wanted to build exercise habits to test whether it was better to build flexible or, um, I would say, really consistent routines if you wanted to create a lasting workout habit. And all the research on habits before our experiment and, and all of our intuitions actually pointed towards the importance of routine, consistency around time of day. So we thought we could harness that. And what we did is we basically randomly assigned people to two groups. One group got uh, rewards and encouragement to be really consistent, always at the same time of day, pick a magic time of day and go always at that same time. The other group also was encouraged to pick their ideal workout time, but to be a bit more variable. So we ended up with two groups, one of which exercised 85% of the time at the same time. The other made only half their workouts at that time. And then we looked after this month of encouragement we provided uh, as a start up habit period, who built more lasting habits, who kept it up. And interestingly, it was actually the group who was less routine. It was Mm. the group we had encouraged to uh, visit the gym at more variable times, who only made half of their workouts at a consistent time of day. And when we dug into the data to figure out why, what we found really was that rigidity was the enemy of habit. So people who um, had become incredibly consistent around, say, working out every morning at 7 a.m., they were a little more likely to keep going at that magic time. But if they missed their usual time, they never felt had a fallback. They never made it otherwise. They didn't have a backup plan. And that led to actually less exercise, net, net, hmm. um, less. So a really interesting and important, I think, lesson is that we want to form elastic habits when we're trying to start new behaviors um, because failure to sort of achieve the first best goal can lead us to throw up our hands and say, and actually there's a term in marketing called the what the hell effect. So it can lead to say, what the hell? I give up. Hopefully I'm allowed to say that on air. Um, That means we have to be looking for strategies that will allow us to be more elastic and have fallback plans so that we don't give up on ourselves. You know, Mario, I want to come back to you on this um, as host of NPR's Life Kit, right? I mean, that your goal is to help people in a general sense, like just kind of live uh, a, a healthier, more meaningful lives, right? Um, yeah. There is a kind of difference, and I think you you laid it out too, right? Between like a like a hard goal, you know, which maybe we already know we, this is a thing we want to do, and maybe a more exploratory intention, like, well, we want to figure out more about the space. So tell me more about kind of your your overall approach there. 
Yeah. I mean, I think, first of all, I think Katie, like everything you're saying makes a lot of sense. And Katie was actually on Life Kit a few times. And I loved that, that finding um, about rigidity versus flexibility with goal setting. I feel like that informs some of how I think too, because um, I just think there's a lot that when we set goals, like it can hang over our heads, you know, and there's a lot that goes on mentally where you're like, I've failed. I'm a failure. Like I'll never accomplish these things, you know? Um, So I've tried to take it out of like for myself. And I think this is helpful for some people, like trying to take things out of the framework of like success and accomplishment and into more of a, like, what kind of life do I want to live? What I want my life to feel like. Um, So another intention that someone might set and that I have in the past is like peace. Like I want a peaceful life. Um, And you know, you could say, okay, so then I'm going to go to this week-long yoga class in March and I'm going to meditate like every day for this many minutes at this time. Um, Or you could say that is going to be my intention. And this is more of like a mindfulness approach, but like peace is going to be my intention. So when I'm on the subway and like it's super crowded at rush hour and we're stuck underground, like I'm going to come back to that. Like peace. Like I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to do my breathing exercise or like when I'm a family event and like some people start getting an argument, like what's my intention? My intention is peace. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of how I think about it now. Yeah. I try to think about intentions in the new year. We're talking about new year's resolutions, why we make them, why we break them, even how to keep them. We're joined by Mariel Segarra. She's the host of NPR's Life Kit. Liz Lapato, she's senior writer at The Verge. And Katie Milkman, who's a professor at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania and the author of How to Change the Science of Getting from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. This is obviously a listener show here. So what are your New Year's resolutions? What's a resolution you've kept that you're proud of? Give us a call. The number's 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, KQED Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about New Year's resolutions, why we make them, why we break them, if we even need to keep them. We're joined by Kitty Milkman, a professor from the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. 
Mariel Segarra, who's host of NPR's Life Kit, and Liz Lopato, senior writer at The Verge. And we're going to take some calls uh, through this show. We'd love to hear what your New Year's resolutions are. Go ahead, commit to the entire Bay Area right now. Or you can tell us about a resolution you've kept. You know, give us some success stories to get uh, fired up about. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's KQED Forum. And the email, of course, is forum at kqed.org. Liz, here's what I want to kick to you. Um, I'm not sure that New Year's resolutions have to actually be kept or goals met in order for them to be successful in some way. Like I set out for myself last January that I was going to increase, you know, my whatever performance on the bicycle by, you know, a big chunk. And I totally did not do that. However, I did ride the bike like four times a week, you know, and so I feel like it, even though I didn't reach the goal, I still reached maybe kind of my inner goal around it. What do you think? You know, I think that there's a sort of success focusedness in American culture that I'm not sure is entirely healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, again, like thinking of this more as a way of cultivating yourself rather than as like a Nike just do it ad. (laughs) Uh, There's something to be said for making a New Year's resolution resolution that you don't necessarily succeed at, but that still, you know, betters your life. And um, a good friend of mine, Rusty Foster, every year he wants to, uh, he says, level up at um, skill sets. And so when he what he does is he takes classes. And so last year he got certified as an EMT. And this (laughs) year he is doing, um, you know, more rescue training stuff. And like, that's not. A resolution per se, but I think it's a really nice way of approaching what we're actually talking about, which is sort of more um, self-improvement or self-cultivation. And so I think taking a sort of gentler view of that is is a way of accomplishing things, even if you don't necessarily, you know, succeed at the actual goal you've set for yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, we should probably also kind of specifically address, you know, weight loss or or body goals, which, you know, are at least a common part of the mythology of the New Year's resolution. Um, Katie Milkman, I mean, are they part of a kind of failed and toxic diet culture? Or can you say something good about them? No, I would go with failed and toxic. And <laughs> I I do think another really important thing to keep in mind is we want to focus on the process if we want to be successful, as opposed to the specific outcome, right? So saying I want to run a 5k or I want to lose x pounds, that is outcome focused. And, and you're going to do better if you say, you know, I'm going to eat these fruits and vegetables on these days of the week. Um, or I'm going to increase the the take up, you know, my intake of these other healthy foods. And here's how mm-hmm. um, or that I'm going to start running regularly. I'm going to do it at this time this day on Tuesdays and Thursdays at this location. Getting into the planning and the process for achieving what you care about. That's what really drives change. And um, and it, I think, also can get you away from some of these kinds of toxic goals. Mm. Maria, what do you think? Yeah, I think that can be super toxic. I mean, there's a lot of pressure to make New Year's resolutions from like Liz was talking about from companies, right, that are trying to sell you stuff and to to help you buy your way into a better life or like to to convince you that you need to fix something about yourself. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's why there are so many signups at gyms this time of year or it's like 
fix your skincare routine because you've been doing it all wrong. Or, <laughs> you know, you need to lose X number of pounds to be your best self, right? And and that's all that's all driven by money. Mm-hmm. So that's that's when I think New Year's resolutions can get really toxic when we're just doing these things because it feels like we're just getting the messaging everywhere on Instagram or on TV or or whatever. Yeah. Noel, one of our uh, regular listeners, tweets, you know, I went to the Whole Foods alcohol section and they were displaying the low and no alcohol drinks trying to make even more money during, quote, uh, dry January. Call me cynical about New Year's resolutions. I saw one of these uh, myself, an entire end cap. Um, you know, Katie, you are uh, a professor at a business school. Um, how do you feel about the ways that companies try to satisfy consumer demand for, you know, changing ourselves uh, in this kind of uh, in this kind of way? Well, first of all, I run an initiative called the Behavior Change for Good Initiative, and we <laughs> very, very much focus on the kinds of change that are both good for the consumer and in if we work with a company that are good for the company, and there are plenty of those. Um, actually, I think encouraging people to sign up for gyms memberships and, you know, to take their medications more regularly, to get their vaccines, uh, to save more for emergencies. Those are the kinds of things that are actually uh, incentive aligned for organizations and individuals. There's certainly lots of situations where organizations are trying to trick us into buying garbage, but actually trying to get you to drink less is pretty good for your health. So uh, I actually think it's one of the rare times of year when marketers who are spending their dollars to get us to spend our dollars tend to have incentives that are aligned with our own and are are using that uh, energy towards self-improvement. I guess the other thing I want to say is that uh, it's not all driven by marketing, though that's certainly part of why we all talk about New Year's resolutions and why it's the biggest fresh start. But interestingly, our research shows that any new beginning uh, sparks similar changes in behavior, spikes in gym attendance, uh, searches for Google on Google for the term diet, uh, increases in goal setting on popular goal setting websites happen at the start of a new week, the start of a new mm. month, um, following birthdays. So there's no marketing campaign I know of that's driving that. And you still see this fresh start effect. So, so it is more than a marketing campaign. It's just that this one has become so large, so widely discussed that there has become a, a marketing element of it, too. Right. right. That's so interesting. Humans are so weird. I love it. Um, Nick in Alameda, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. I wanted to make a comment about how simplifying our life allows us perhaps to stick to our goals. And the point being, when we went into lockdown during COVID in March of 2020, there was much less for us to do. And so in my instance, five of us on our block got together to work out outside and we said that we needed this time for each other, and we stuck to the rigidity of 6.30 in the morning, working out three days a week, and we held on to that for two years. Mm-hmm. And then when COVID opened back up, we all just went back to our busy lives and work and travel and many other things. So I wonder if there's mm-hmm. some relationship between simplifying our life, especially during COVID, and also needing that connection and camaraderie that it uh, you know, really was so important for us. Oh, man. What a, what a great call. Nick in Alameda, thank you so much. Mario, what do you think about this kind of life complexity angle? I mean, you do, if you, if you listen to people's stories closely about why they fall off things, they say oftentimes, you know, life got in the way or other things came up and things like that. So I would say for like, I can offer an anecdotal thoughts on this. Katie probably has 
better, you know, more research backed answers. But I would say just like talking to a lot of people during the pandemic and also my own experience is that, yeah, things kind of got a lot simpler. Yeah. So I had a lot more time, right? Like you couldn't, if you couldn't really leave your house that much or you couldn't do the things you would normally do, then yeah, it got a little easier to keep certain habits. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know, some of the things that once things opened back up, like those were things that I was missing though too. Right. So it's, you're always making choices in your life of what to prioritize. Um, and sometimes like the things that, that came back, you know, after things opened back up, like I wanted to do that stuff too. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think Nick is kind of gesturing at it too, right? During the pandemic, the workout wasn't just satisfying the workout need, but also this kind of social uh, camaraderie, bonding, seeing other human beings. Um, and I think, you know, when something I, I don't know, Katie, uh, if that is, um, you know, backed by the science, but it seems like a, an activity that satisfies multiple needs of ours, you know, social, physical, emotional, whatever, more likely something we're going to keep up with than something that's just narrowly about, you know, I'm going to work out. It is totally backed by the science. Uh, In fact, there's a great study I got to be involved with led by Rachel Gershon at UCSD looking at whether or not people would exercise more when they were just given a dollar in cash every time they and a friend they signed up with showed up at the gym or if they'd exercise more when they could only earn a dollar when they showed up at the gym with their friend. So it's harder to earn the cash with your friend being part of the equation. And yet people exercise 35% more under that incentive scheme. And they reported finding it more fun and that they felt accountable to someone. And that's what drove that extra exercise, even though, again, the incentive from an economic standpoint was worse. So uh, I find that super interesting and related to the point um, we just heard. And then One other thing I just wanted to mention is that uh, in terms of simplicity, there's some really wonderful research by Steven Spiller at UCLA showing while it's really good to make concrete plans for achieving our goals in general, if we start doing that for multiple goals at the same time, it actually becomes a hindrance because Mm. we feel overwhelmed. And so I, I think in addition to the social value and sort of it's important to make your goals fun. And so that came through. There is the importance of recognizing one thing at a time is critical. And the pandemic, of course, while it shut down lots of things that we love and we are so glad to have back, I 100% agree with what Muriel was just saying. Um, It it also simplified. And so we we could do that sort of one thing at a time. Yeah. Uh, One listener writes in a really sweet note. Um, They say, my resolution last year was letting people who were important to me know that they were dear to me. When the thought came to me, I'd shoot them a text or pick up the phone. Sometimes I'd send a card. It was the simplest thing to do and made my life richer. My dad will often call and literally just say, I love you and hang up. I have saved dozens of those voicemails. I love that resolution. Um, Candace in uh, Redwood City, welcome. Hi, I'm a psychotherapist in the area. And I just want to add, so every New Year's, I talk with my clients about having a word or just like a theme for the year, which could encompass so many things. So if someone says, you know, I want healing, then throughout the year, a lot of their intentions become about healing. They go into psychotherapy. They choose to journal. They choose to have tough conversations um, or health, you know, rather than a goal of losing weight or some of what you guys have talked about, like these practical things. Um, that can take some of the pressure off if it's a theme. And then underneath that, you know, if I'm choosing to be healthy, if I'm choosing to eat better, to get outside more, to exercise, 
then I might have less shame over the year, but I'm probably making choices that by the end of the year, I am more healthy than when I started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for that, Candice. You know, I was talking with uh, one of our producers, Judy, about a resolution-ish thing that they heard about, which was people saying more of or I would like more of this in my life, or I would like less of this in my life. And, you know, Liz Lepato from The Verge, I, I feel like this is a little bit of your concept of tending yourself like a garden, <laughs> you know, like giving yourself, well, I need more light and maybe a little more water, and I need a little bit less, you know, whatever the other thing a plant might lead less of. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, you know, I really like the idea of just sort of taking stock of yourself, right? Because especially in adulthood, certain things have become closed to you. You know, I'm 39 years old and five foot six. I'm never going to be a professional gymnast, right? That's just, that's closed to me. So I think, you know, for me, I work as a writer. And so thinking about things that I might want to focus on in my writing that year, um, even if I don't necessarily have a specific goal, creating that sort of narrative arc or thinking about how I want to sort of move myself um, can be a really valuable thing. Um, and while I understand certainly the, you know, the achievement oriented part of this, of creating specific goals and trying to attend to them, I also think that one of the places where people often struggle is getting back on the horse after they fail. Mm-hmm. And um one of the most important things I think you can do is give yourself some grace in failing because, um, you know, you, you remember learning how to do anything for the first time. You're not good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so giving yourself a little bit of leeway instead of like beating yourself up for being a failure and and not adhering to whatever your plan was, um, I think is a really important part of that. And yeah. giving yourself room to like be like, all right, well, maybe I'm going to be bad at this for a while is also really important. Yeah. You know, Liz, last year I was, you know, kind of deep in a in a book revision. I had all these sub goals and I had all these things and it actually totally worked. I mean, as Katie might indicate, it was very specific. There was a detailed plan. But now I still have like a li- that last little bit of work to do. So now it's just like there's no goals. It's just like finish my book, you know, underline like three times. And I feel like, you know, sometimes you need all that uh detail and all those listening and sometimes it's just like no you just i feel like i've got to just you know push through um let's go back to the phones one more time um sunil in livermore welcome to the show hey thank you for taking my call and uh when i was one of the person who would always make the fitness goals uh, uh those kind of new year resolution but this year around uh, I have a goal to be a little bit more spiritual and meditate and meditation. And the reason there was during the pandemic, uh, when we I was not commuting from Livermore to Cupertino, we had I had time, and some of the men around uh, the church that I attend uh, decided to do the Zoom meditation sessions, uh, the Bible study. Uh, now, last year, we had opened up, uh, commute opened up, and so we uh, regressed a little bit from that. So New Year resolution is uh, we continue to have that in person or even if it is in Zoom. But that did help me personally, uh, the meditation and the spirituality, and we want to continue that forward this year. 
That's interesting. And so that's you, you have this specific plan of you're going to get together with the same group of people. That's that's going to be the goal. It's uh, it's a regular early morning wake up, get on a Zoom and pray with men. Uh, uh, and then a week, a small get together. We have random topics uh, uh, that we select and uh, uh, just ponder on that mm-hmm. topic. Uh, but it, it is spiritual nature as well. Yeah. Hey, Sunil, thank you so much uh, for sharing that experience and um, good luck with that goal. Um, Mariel, do you think there's a difference in trying to execute a, a kind of what feels to me kind of like an inner goal, you know, like be more spiritual versus one that might be more directed outwards? Tell me what you mean. Yeah, you know, like, just like instead of like I'm going to uh, get uh, I'm going to run a 5K feels like a fairly like, you know, I'm going to like be able to, you know, I'm going to grow my follower base on social media. I hope no one out there is doing that. This <laughs> is a new resolution, but I'm sure somebody is, you know, versus one that's sort of like, how do I change like my my deeper inner self? Hmm. I mean, OK, so I think. I think you're getting at like the level of specificity and and like having a goal versus an intention. Or are you asking about like something that's really personal and only for yourself versus it? Yeah, kind of, kind of more of that. Okay. Um. Yeah. I mean, well, some of it, like, I guess if it's really personal and it's only for yourself, like, you have a little more control over it, right? Like, if it's something that's um very outward facing you might have to rely on other people to like fulfill their end of the bargain, right? Like if you want to build your social media base or even something like build community, um, that requires the participation of other people versus, yeah, if you're just like, I'm going to, I'm going to meditate more. I'm going to be more spiritual. That can be a very personal experience. I, I think that's one difference. We're talking about New Year's resolutions, why we make them, why we break them, how to keep them. We're joined by Marielle Cigara. She's the host of NPR's Life Kit. Katie Milkman, professor at the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, behavioral scientist who is the author of How to Change the Science of Getting from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. And Liz Lopato, senior writer at The Verge. We'd love to hear from you for about your New Year's resolutions. You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Tell us some of your resolutions. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. I, I gotta be strong. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about New Year's resolutions, giving you some inspirational music. Why do we make resolutions? Why we break them? How we keep them? We're joined by Liz Lopato, a senior writer at The Verge. She wrote the recent article, Some New Year's Resolutions That Won't End Up in Your Pile of Shame. Also have Marielle Segata. She's the host of NPR's Life Kit. And Katie Milkman, a professor at Wharton, who wrote the book, How to Change the Science of Getting from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be. Um, Katie, I want to come to you on something we've we've touched on a few times, which is... Things are going great, then you fall off. Do you have tips for like how to get back? Just so you know, give people, um, you know, in two months when they've fallen off, how do they get back on the horse? Yeah, I have a lot of tips. Um, and this is, as, a, as has been alluded to throughout this conversation, one of the most important things to think about when you're setting goals of any kind, whether they're New Year's resolutions or not. Most of them aren't going to work out perfectly. And so you have to be prepared for that. And, and that's part of the plan. Um, one piece of advice is actually related to something I mentioned earlier, which is a fresh start effect. And New Year's is just one of many dates that gives us a sense of a new beginning and tends to motivate us to start new goals. And so if things aren't going well, well, don't wait until next new year to make resolutions and try to get back on the wagon. There are actually lots of fresh start dates. Look to a birthday, a return from a vacation, um, another meaningful moment in your life. Even Mondays and the start of new months work for lots of people as fresh mm-hmm. start dates. Uh, you can, of course, do it any day, but but a lot of people seem to find it helpful to have that new beginning to glom onto. Um, another thing I'd say is there's great research from um, Stanford's Carol Dweck on, on mindset and how important it is. There's lots of research on mindset, but she has specifically looked at the distinction between having a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. And she's focused on it mostly in terms of intelligence, but it's actually true of almost any trait um, that some of us walk through life thinking whatever trait, whether it's, you know, ability to pursue goal X or Y, is fixed. Um, and whenever we have a failure, we treat it as diagnostic of our capabilities. And then there are others who walk around with more of a, a growth mindset, which is to say that they recognize that almost every capability we have is something that can grow with effort and time and energy. And um, that when we have a failure, it's not diagnostic of our fixed capacity. It's actually just something we can learn from and that can help us do better the next time. And you can actually shift who has a growth mindset and who has a fixed mindset. Um, people by by going through different interventions and learning about the fact that almost everything skill-based in life can grow. We do have the capacity to improve. Uh, and you see better outcomes when people use and adopt that growth mindset. So I would say that's really important when pursuing goals. And I think it aligns with something Liz was just saying uh, about sort of expecting that there will be small setbacks and and being ready to get back up again. Yeah. Maria, uh, Patty writes in to say, how do vision boards help people to achieve their goals? I was trying to think, of, I was thinking of trying to make one this year. Have you used any of those? It doesn't have to just be vision boards, but, you know, little little tools for how to think about your own, you know, goal setting or, or intention setting? Yeah, I mean, I would say I personally have, um, but, and there's a fun exercise I did with a friend one year where we got a bunch of magazines and then cut out our favorite pictures from them. Our favorite just images, things that made us feel, um, I guess, inspired or things that that were calling to us and then glued them on a piece of paper and and also words and things. Um, I still have mine from, I think it was 2020 uh, or 2021. Anyway, you'll notice patterns when you do that. So like my friend looked at mine and she was like, you have all these 
hot air balloons and and like a, a a lantern that was being let go and and floating up into the air. So basically, there was a lot of lift in yeah. in the images that I picked. Um, and and you'll start to notice, I think, the things that you're craving when you do that. It's just a maybe a creative way. Uh, to yeah. tap into what it is that you're really desiring. Like if you are trying to pick a theme for the year, like the the person who called in, who's a psychotherapist said, you know, maybe your theme for the year is peace or maybe it's creativity or maybe it's even something like lift. You know, what does that mean to you? Why did you pick those images? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because what you're, what you're getting at, Marielle, is just, you know, how we pick these goals, like what goes into picking those goals and knowing yourself sufficiently to know what would actually make you happy, that seems harder perhaps than even keeping the resolutions uh, themselves. Um, let's uh, let's go back to the phones for a little bit. Uh, Suman in Santa Clara, welcome. Hello. Yeah, one of the things that I th- uh, think about goals um, is we tend to, uh, especially when it's physical goals, we tend to overreach and, you know, think about goals that we're probably not ready for. Um, so the way I look at um, um, setting my goals is uh, I just want to do better than what I did last year in some ways. So um, that that can be physical, that can be mental, that can be any, any, anything in, in life in, gen- in general, I think. So, but yeah, yeah, essentially, you know, I started, um, you know, um, basically uh, walking in 2019 uh, um, just for fun and uh, started running. And uh, last year I ran the SF Marathon. Oh, Um, man, congratulations. Thank you. Um, But I I believe that, you know, essentially if you set repeatable goals, just tell yourself that you have to do better than what you did yesterday. Um, that will get you. Get but you Suman, I've entered the great decline of endurance athletes. <laughs> Doing better than yesterday or last year is getting increasingly hard. Um, but I, I love that. Congratulations on the on the marathon and Thank on you. Uh, and on yeah. doing the repeatable goal. That's awesome. Um, let's uh, let's take one more before we go back to the panel here. Um, Helena in Fremont, welcome. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me here. So my goal for the new year is to keep up learning and catch up with my kid. (laughs) So so my daughter is in 10th grade, 15 years old, and she is constantly learning from school and she's doing so many exercise and actual curriculum outside school, right? So as a parent, I feel that I'm behind of her. And as a matter of fact, I think many of the parents we focus on working, we focus on the family, we lose the ability and the time of continue learning and improving myself, ourselves. So my new year resolution that whatever she is learning in different area, I need to learn. Uh, not exactly the same subject, but I need to keep up with the same speed. So for example, my daughter is a figure skater, so she practices almost every day. So I told myself that I don't need to learn figure skating, but I need to do continue my exercise every single day. So as a matter of fact, I pick up yoga again. I did a long time ago, but somewhere I just dropped. But pick up yoga again in this year. I'm going to do it every single day. As long as she is practicing, I'm going to do that. And same thing goes with reading. She has to read a lot because of the schoolwork, right? I find that I I was so behind of her. Like in our vacation, like uh, during the Christmas, on the airline to Hawaii, she finished a book more than 200 pages. Okay. I was stunned. 
I was not able to do that as fast as her. So I told myself, I need to speed up. I need to catch up what she is doing, absorbing, and continue learning on my end. Hannah, thank you uh, so so much for that call. Um, let me get one comment out here too. You know, Tess writes, "I like to set achievable goals that will improve my life in small but significant ways. I love to cook, so a few years ago, I set a resolution to only cook from cookbooks that I already owned, rather than endlessly scrolling on blogs to find recipes." That was one that really stuck and improved my life in a measurable way. It allowed me to take deep dives into a few different cuisines, improve my cooking, and save a lot of time from what I used to spend scrolling online. That test comments ends, but mine continues that <laughs> scrolling past all the ads and stories uh, and all of the recipe blogs. Um, you know, Katie, you've been listening to a few of these uh, callers call in. Are there things in what they're saying that you feel like you want to highlight as being kind of indicative of uh, what research shows works? Yeah, actually, one of my my favorite insights from research has to do with how shaped we are by the people around us. So I really enjoyed hearing um, the caller who just talked about being motivated by um, her daughter's yeah. successes. There's uh, a study that just sticks with me that I absolutely love by um, Scott Carell at um, at at UC San Diego, who ha- has um, looked at what happens when you're randomly assigned to a different group of roommates in college and shown that essentially the the study habits and the um, capacity of the people around you shape your own grades. That mm-hmm. if you're randomly assigned to a group of roommates who'd had higher verbal SAT scores, you get better grades. And of course, if if you're randomly assigned to roommates who are you know, less stellar um, academically, you get worse grades. And the mechanism there or the process is that you look around at the people around you, see what they're doing, and it shapes your perceptions of what's achievable, what's normal, what's desirable. And, you know, seeing your daughter reading a book on an airplane uh, and finishing it shows you, wait, wait, I could be reading more. I could be uh, doing that, seeing them achieve new skills athletically. Uh, And what I think is really interesting is not just that we can can harness motivation from the people who are already in our lives. But if you want to achieve more, there's an opportunity to try to choose friends and 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 get to know, you know, neighbors, colleagues a little better who you think will inspire you because there's some something that they're doing that you'd like to do better yourself. So we can be deliberate in the people we we choose to surround ourselves with and that can teach us new strategies. Yeah. Maria, uh, one listener asks, I find that throughout the year I make very detailed plans, cook more at home, read a book, revamp my resume, but sometimes I don't have the motivation to do that goal. So it's kind of a bit of a bit of a different question. Do you have any advice? Oh, on finding motivation? Yeah. Well, I guess it would be figuring out like, okay, so figuring out why you have these goals to begin with. We just did an episode this week on making a better to-do list. And we talked about how often on our to-do list, there are all these tasks and some of them are very urgent. It's like throw out compost or buy toilet paper or whatever. And then some of them are these big picture things. And we're not even sure why they're on the list. Like it, I have retiled my kitchen floor, but I also had microblading on there, which I just put on there because a lady at my eyebrow threading salon told me that my eyebrows were too thin. And I saw it like frantically scribbled it down. And then I was like, I don't even know why this is on this. Maybe my eyebrows are fine. So we um, talked to Oliver Berkman, who's a journalist and author. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and he wrote time management for mortals and his one exercise he says you can use is like asking yourself why five times in succession so if you have a specific goal or task you're like okay why do i want to do mm. microblading or like for in the case of the person who wrote in you know like why do i want to i think they said like cook these new recipes or something like that why is that important to me and and then eventually hopefully you get to something that is a bedrock value of your life. And if not, maybe that thing is kind of a zombie task that can mm. be erased. And I think when you go through with intention like that, then if you know why you're doing something, like the caller who said that she wants to learn more, um, she's inspired by her daughter. To me, the bedrock value there seems like it's curiosity, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, and so if she gets back, she asks, why do I do this? Why do I do this? And then it's like, I want to foster my curiosity. That to me seems like a way to motivate yourself. This is why I'm doing this, you know? Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, let's go to Ray in Novato. Welcome, Ray. Hi, um, just want to comment then that when people make resolutions, um, they often uh, fail after a period of time. And the reason for that is because they get discouraged. They try to um, go all in and make it work. And what I find to help with resolutions or really any kind of thing that you're trying to change or do is I call it the 90-10 rule, that uh, 90% of the time you uh, are good at what you're trying to accomplish, and then you can cheat 10% of the time. And for people with a little less uh, you know, motivation, maybe 80-20, but uh, then it becomes a slippery slope. But um, otherwise, 90-10 seems to work pretty well. And that way, say you're going to cut out meat, that way you can cut out meat 90% of the time. But mm -hmm. that time when you're going to your brother-in-law's for dinner and they're serving only meat, um, you can cheat. And so that seems to work out really well for uh, for me for so many things. Yeah. Hey, Roy, thank you so much. It's Roy, not Ray, in Novato. Thanks so much for, for that. And I think, you know, Katie, that seems to definitely square with the research that you've done uh, about the rigid goals. Absolutely. And also with some work by a colleague of mine, Marissa Sharif at Wharton, who studied what she calls emergency reserves. And uh, she's found that if you set tough goals, which is important to stretch yourself, as a bunch of listeners and, and folks have commented on, that's great. But actually, you do even better when you give yourself what she calls emergency reserves. It's sort of like the 90-10 rule. So she did some research looking at, you know, what if you say, I'm going to try to uh, walk take a long walk or exercise a certain amount um, seven days a week. That's a stretch, tough goal. What if you say five days a week? That's a more achievable goal. Um, what if you say seven days, but I'll give myself two emergencies that I can use if I can't get there. And it turns out you do dramatically better in the situation where you, you go for seven days, but give yourself two emergencies. So thinking about ways to give yourself, uh, and she does think it's important to call it an emergency so that you don't just sort of take <laughs> yeah, it all the time. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Cheating, I think has a similar sort of like, you don't want to do it unless you have to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really important to find ways to give yourself slack, but try not to take the slack. You're striving for the best outcome. Right. Mary in Novato, quick last call. Welcome. Hi. Oh, hey, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yeah, okay. sure can. Um, I sh wanted to share that I worked as a diabetes educator at Kaiser, and this is many years ago, but they trained us in a technique called motivational interviewing. I don't know if the guests are familiar with that. Um, but basically, 
it helps people to verbalize why um, they want, why you would want to do something Mm -hmm. and what the barriers are. So um, what we'd ask people is to make a plan or an achievable goal. So if your goal was um, you want to um, walk for 10 minutes, three times a week. Um, And then we would ask people, well, um, on a scale of zero to 10, how confident are you that you can do this? And whatever number they said, we would ask them then, well, what would it take to get you, say, from a five to a seven? Mm -hmm. And then people verbalize, um, you know, some of the things in their life that might um, prevent them from doing the goal. And then we would also ask people, why did you choo- uh, why did you choose a five instead of a three? And then and just keep um, going deeper what, down. What they want to do. Yeah. Mary, thank you so much for that uh, technique. And people can um, check out more on that motivational interview with uh, that technique. Um, Lindsay tweets a friendly reminder of these callers. Progress is not linear. Set yourself up for success. For example, I've been trying to say the word linear correctly for my entire life and only occasionally do it. We've been talking about New Year's resolutions with lots of great advice about how to make them, keep them, and feel good about the process. We've been joined by Katie Milkman, a professor at the Wharton School and author of the book How to Change, Mariel Segarra, host of NPR's Life Kit, and Liz Lapato, a senior writer at The Verge. Thank you so much to all three of you for the wonderful advice and helping get people launched into this New Year's resolution land. This hour of Forum is produced by Blanca Torres, Grace Wan, and Jennifer Ng. Marlena Jackson-Rotondo is our engagement producer. Judy Campbell's lead producer. Our engineers are Danny Bringer and Christopher Beal. Our intern is Lulu Ralda. Susan Davis is senior producer. Our vice president of news is Ethan Tobin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This has been Forum. Stay tuned for another hour ahead with guest host Guy Marzarati. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way, from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country... 
on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts.